You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Mizzou That's Who. What's up? Welcome to this week's edition of Mizzou. That's who your podcast for Missouri Athletics here on KC Sports Network. I'm one of your hosts, Tucker Franklin, joined as always by Gabe DeArmond and Maggie Johnson. Look, we got a lot to get to this week. Missouri basketball um, didn't play the best. We'll leave it at that as we'll start with uh, Missouri basketball. And then we're going to get into the bowl game, the Cotton Bowl preview podcast here for us today. But Gabe, how are you doing? How was your Christmas? It was good. Um, I mean... I was at Arrowhead Stadium, so, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, Brady Cook being the best quarterback I watched play football this week. Well, let that sink in a little bit if you are the Bazoo <laughs> Chiefs fan combo there. Uh, let that sink in for a little bit. Maggie, uh, how are you doing? How is your Christmas? How How is everything on the other side of the state? Yeah, uh, Christmas was good. We didn't. We don't have NFL over here. Okay, the, the, that I don't know if that's breaking news. Um, oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, my Christmas was good. I also did watch some NFL though, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty relaxing. I hung out with family, and I'm looking forward to heading to Dallas tomorrow for the Cotton Bowl. And I did go to Bragging Rights as well, so mm. that was uh, yeah, interesting. But yeah, we'll talk about it here. Both of you guys were in attendance at uh, the Bragging Rights basketball game. I myself was not in attendance of that game, uh, maybe thankfully, because I would have really hated if I would have made the four-hour drive to watch that uh, stinker of a performance. Uh, who's the Battlehawks quarterback now? Uh, because I was just trying to think. Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you who the Battlehawks quarterback was. Uh, no, because a- it's not AJ McCarron, so that's who it was last year. So that was we'll my find- guess. Yeah, we'll find out soon because he- he's playing for a team. That's true. At Jordan know. Jordan Tamu that first year, he kind of he kind of was lighting it up a little bit. He got himself a little tryout as a practice squad guy with the Chiefs for for a hot second. Um, but I will be on the mission to find out who the BattleHawks quarterback is uh, while you guys talk about uh, a, a performance from the Missouri basketball team. Ninety seven seventy three. Missouri falls to the number eleven Illinois Fighting Illini. Um, a less than ideal performance, Gabe. You could say that. Um, at, at one point, I know I tweeted, Missouri is one for seven from three-point range. If they want any chance, that has to really improve. And the, the thing was, they were not bad shots. Like, they were wide-open shots. Um, you know, you can argue that the wrong guys were taking them, but if they are on the court, they have to take those shots. Um and they weren't going in, the, in. Then later in the first half, and I don't remember the exact score, but I did tweet, it is time to start looking at the worst margins of defeat in this stretch. Um, yeah. Because it was very obvious um, that this was going, like the best case scenario in this one was going to be, oh, hey, they got down 25, but they played well again for a few minutes and made it 10 or whatever. Uh, and we talked about last week, I, they had to quit doing that, and they didn't quit doing it. And they played a team that was very motivated to avenge what happened to them last year, which was basically the reverse of this. Yeah. Um, with much better players and in a mismatch of a style, you know, and it all added up to I, I think what I wrote was this is the worst game in a so far disappointing season. And anytime you're talking about the worst game not being blowing a six-point lead to a previously winless team, that's rough. I like how you said you looked at one point and we were one for seven from three and you said we have to get better. Because at the end of the first half, we were one... Well, at the end of the first half, we were one for 17. We were one for 17 at the end of the first half from three. So we didn't get better. and But we did... At the end of the game, you better because we were six for 27, but it was just too little, too late at that point. Illinois was bigger, stronger, faster than us. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. had 30 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, Quincy Aguirre, I think is how you say it. He was transferred from Oregon. He had 28 points and eight rebounds. Uh, Underwood 
came into this game to make a statement, okay? You you look at last year, the games were completely flipped. What happened? It was just completely flipped, okay? We came out last year and nobody missed in, until the second half. I mean, we we missed a few. And then we kind of took out our starters. I think we were up 30 for a lot of the game, took out our starters, and I, I think we ended up winning by like 22. Underwood was like, eh, we're not doing that. Quincy Garrier played the entire, basically the entire game. I think he came out. They put a walk, some kind of walk on, on, I would say with maybe 30 seconds left. If you look at the box score, you see that they had two other, they played seven players the entire game. And then they put in like, uh, a, like a note, just like some random person at the end of the game. Um, but it was just, he was in there to basically destroy us. And that's exactly what they did. The, the game was only a 23 or how many would we lose would we lose by 24 20? was the final but it's 25 and a half and we should right but it was only it was only that because we literally made a buzzer beater shot at the end of the game we literally made a three-point shot at the end of the game so against I'm, the fourth straight exactly that they put in with like 20 seconds left in the game so yeah it was it was a beat down basically the entire the entire game i mean it was and last year mind you it was an ice storm there was nobody at the arena last year my my flight got canceled to tampa um so there was nobody even really at the arena there was that place was packed and it Maggie, was my loud. estimate my estimate before the game was about two-thirds illinois fans. you do you think that's accurate uh, yeah, 64. There was a lot 65, more 35 action than there was. And they always, and I would say they always do that. It's funny because when I buy my tickets or whenever I get my tickets, I never even look at the Illinois section. And I kind of feel like Illinois fans don't care. They're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll just buy whatever. There's like, a, there's a ticket in the Mizzou section. I'll just buy it. I never even look over there. I mean, like last year, even in my row, there was like, I don't know, five people in my row that were Illinois fans. I just think that they kind of don't care. And I'm just like, I'm not sitting over there. But yeah, it's always kind of like that and just kind of is what it is. But yeah, it was it was loud for them most of the time. So yeah. it was it was brutal. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I mean, Illinois just they did anything they wanted to, Um, you know, it's reached a point where the offensive problems aren't even the problem for Missouri. I mean, they can't stop a good team. Um, they, they, the other teams can get in the lane so easily. And then Missouri's guards all crash down in the paint. And then it's like, which wide open three point shooter am I going to throw the ball to? And after the game, Dennis Gates was talking about how well Illinois shot the ball. Like you would have thought Illinois shot 80% in the first half, they shot 50%. They were seven of 19 from three. Like it was okay, but they were getting, every time they didn't score, they were getting an offensive rebound or getting to the free throw line. I mean, it was, I said, if you just, if you watched those teams get off the bus, you would have picked Illinois by 24 points. Be, if, if you, because I looked at them before the opening tip, I said, oh my God, they're huge. Like huge. It, they look like five tight ends on the floor. You know, and super athletic, playing to their strength. And I just, I, I'm kind of at a loss to tell you what Missouri does well at this point, because I, I don't, I don't know anything. Well, Gabe, that was going to be my question to you. Is like, what is, what is wrong? Like, what's, what's the one thing? Like, I know that's okay. That's... I, I can give you the one thing. Everybody okay. wants one thing. I can give you the one thing. They don't have enough talent. They just, they don't have enough good players. I, I mean, I don't. You know, all this. And I don't think they're, I understand them speaking to the fringe lunatics here, right? Um, but like Dennis Gates hasn't forgotten how to coach. He's, he doesn't, you know, it's not, he doesn't know how to coach offense or defense or whatever. He missed on some guys in the portal. And whether that was, he got out recruited, he got outbid, he decided it wasn't worth the money they commanded. He thought, you know, Brett Beach style, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm good enough. I'll just no matter who who I throw out there, I'll fix it. I don't know what happened, but they just don't have enough talent. Um, Sean East is having a hell of a year. He was an eight for fifteen on Friday night, but their entire offense is just 
Johnny's just dribble around and throw in some incredible shots because um, they're asking Nick Honor and Noah Carter to fill roles they can't fill. Right. Um, they've got, you know, a, a seven-footer who was supposed to be a three-point shooter who's not shooting three-point shots particularly well but also doesn't really rebound. Um, they've got a, a freak athlete who has offensively regressed to the point he won't look at the basket. Um, I, they just don't have enough talent. And I, I said last week, if they lose this game, I'm done talking about the tournament. And they can talk about it all they want. That's hey, They're not giving up on the season 12 games in. I'm not saying that. I'm done entertaining any idea that this team is an NCAA tournament. Unless they just go on a run that I, I just don't think they have. Well, that was something we talked about last week, right? Like when they went through that stretch of tough non-con games of Kansas, Seton Hall, Illinois, we talked about one and two. Like they need they need to win one yeah. of them, and they didn't. Like they need to at least win one of them, and they didn't. So now I think we kind of know who they are, Maggie. Yeah, and we talked about this last week about the the pa- the passing and how like last year their chemistry was just so good, and I think that won them some extra games. And then I feel like almost Friday we were kind of wanting them to you know maybe not take the extra pass like I feel like the other games we were like make the extra pass make the extra pass and don't shoot it and then I feel like everybody just wanted to make the extra pass on Friday like I just wanted somebody to shoot the ball and nobody would shoot the extra ball and it was just the end of the shot clock every single possession and then it was just terrible shot after terrible shot or when it was a good shot, just nobody could make the shot. And I feel like Connor Vanover, like when he would take the shot, I'm like, isn't that what he did at Oral Roberts? Like, didn't he lead, like lead the nation and some type of statistical figure of big men that shot the three? I mean, but I if you look on. at, if you look at his career numbers, because I did after the last game, he's a 31% three point shooter. Yeah. He was 38% at Oral Roberts. Um, that's a different level of basketball. It just is. It's a different level of basketball. I watched watching Illinois on Friday night looked like watching Missouri's team last year. I mean, the ball was just zip, 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 six passes all over the court, just defenders just chasing them. And I was like, that's what it looked like for Missouri last year. Doesn't look like that this year. I think their biggest problem is they're not getting any easy baskets because they don't force very many turnovers. Like they're they're supposed to be this pressing team, but Illinois had 10 turnovers and really about five of them were in the second half when they just kind of went through this, oh, do we still have to care stretch? You know, I mean, they had six turnovers with like eight minutes left. And if if your identity is we wreak havoc on the defensive end, that's not going to work. They don't get any easy baskets. Um, they can't shoot the open three, but they can't shoot layups, guys. Jesus Carolero missed literally a tip-in that was a six-inch shot. I, I, and I don't mean to pick on him. It was just the one that stood out. It, it was just a, it was one of the least competitive basketball games I have seen in a long time. I mean, between two, like, real teams. Well, and Illinois doesn't even really have a point guard. So the fact that if you can't get, if you can't get turnovers against a team that doesn't have a point guard and you're supposed, and you have Sean East and Nick Honor who are supposed to specialize in getting turnovers, I mean, that's a problem. Good, believe- good thing for Missouri fans is it's still football season. <laughs> He's still football. That is very, that is very good for Missouri fans. Gabe, I'm trying to think. I've been trying to find this stat. Was that the most points that allowed in the Dennis Gates era? Yes, and I know that only because I looked it up. If 93 was after the Seton Hall game, and yeah. it was second to 95 by Kansas last year. So, two of their three worst defensive games in the last two games. That's what I wanted to bring up. I thought that I had read that somewhere. I thought that I saw that you had put that out there. Uh, but I wanted to double check that. Because, like, as you mentioned, they're a team that, like, wants to be better on the defensive side of the ball. I brought up the Kim Palm rankings. They're 92nd in the country. When you look at adjusted defense, they're 125th. So they haven't really improved all that much on the defensive side of the ball. It's better than it was last year. It is. <laughs> I mean, it was 180th last year. It's. But the problem was, yeah. I mean, last year you could survive it because they were elite offensively. They were ninth in the country. They are okay offensively. 71st is what it says right here on my adjusted offense for Kempom. Um, 
But yeah, Gabe, yeah, you mentioned it. It's it's football season. I think a lot of Missouri fans are still focused on football season. Obviously, you're in the New Year's Six Bowl. You're playing a blue blood college football team, and it comes to that. But uh, we'll we'll get to the good stuff. We'll get to the meat to reward people who sat through the 15 minutes of us talking about Missouri basketball. Uh, we will reward people. Missouri does have Central Arkansas coming to town before uh, they hit the the SEC slate. They don't start it. They don't start the SEC slate very easy with Georgia then Kentucky at Kentucky. Uh, so they'll have Central Arkansas coming up on December the thirtieth on Saturday. That'll be after the Missouri football game. So um, let's get into the football stuff. But first, we're going to take a break. But we got to tell you about our friends at Homefield Apparel. I'm obviously rocking the hoodie. It's snowing in Kansas City as we're recording this. That sucks. Um, it's been flurrying every, all all day. So you need to get your fleece from homefieldapparel.com. They've got great stuff. They've got more than just this hoodie in the Missouri section. They've got a pretty sweet quarter zip. They've got uh, uh, one that says Old Mizzou. And it's a little bit of a darker color, a little heather gray type hoodie. Good stuff there. At homefieldapparel.com, and if you are new here, if you haven't ordered at Homefield Apparel, we got a code for your KCSN23. They'll get you 15% off your first order, so you can go get all of the things that you need to gear up for uh, whatever you're taking on this this uh, spring, this winter, and even next year going out to uh, Faro Field because, listen, got an exciting team coming back next year as we start to look at the transfer portal and some of the guys who've already announced they're coming back for this team. A lot of exciting things. Make sure you're suited and booted for your time at Memorial Stadium. So we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk football on the other side. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, welcome back in here to Mizzou. That's who. Let's get into the football side of things. And uh, as we look at the kind of the big thing around these bowl games are who cares, right? Who, which team cares the most in these bowl games? You look at some of the players that the Ohio State Buckeyes have in their list, compare it to the, the list of the guys that the Missouri Tigers have in the transfer portal. The Ohio State Buckeyes list is a bit longer, uh, to put it uh, in one way. But there's also some guys on Ohio State that we would have maybe anticipated to opt out that haven't opted out game. Some of those being uh, Ameka Abuka. He's uh, already said that he's going to be uh, playing in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, left guard Donovan Jackson has also said that as well. Jack Sawyer has gotten a lot of snaps this year for Ohio State. 
also playing in the game, and they've got uh, Jordan Hancock, one of their DBs, with uh, Denzel Burke as well, and Tyleek Williams, another guy on that defensive front. So they they got a lot of defensive guys coming back, especially on a defense that played really well for Ohio State. Uh, first thoughts on this game. I think the line has stayed pretty close to Missouri minus one. Some spots you can get at Ohio State minus one I've seen. Uh, it's it's going to be a real close game, but uh, first thoughts on just uh, who's suiting up for both these teams. Yeah, the, the two that at this point appear to be in question for Ohio State. I mean, there seems to be maybe a little bit of question about Tommy Eichenberg, uh, Ohio yeah. State's middle linebacker, whether he's healthy enough. But uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was at practice, but at least when the media got to watch this, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon, um, Ohio State had 15 minutes of open practice on Tuesday morning. Um, Marvin Harrison was there. He did not appear to be practicing when the media was there. Doesn't mean he didn't, doesn't mean he won't, but I think the guess is he probably doesn't play. Travion Henderson practiced. Um, I think they expect him to play Missouri side. Um, in this Rake Straw, Tyron Hopper officially out for this game. Rake Straw, not at all a surprise. I thought Tyron Hopper might be healthy enough to play, and I don't really know if this is a he's not healthy enough to play or he's borderline healthy enough to play, but it's not worth the I don't know. And I'm obviously not in Dallas. Um, but those two guys aren't playing. I, I think the only advantage for Missouri in that is they've already played a couple games without these guys. They know what it's like to play without it. Whereas Ohio State does not know what it's like to play without Marvin Harrison on the field. Does not know what it's like to play without Kyle McCord as the starting quarterback. So might be a little bit of an adjustment period there but again i think ohio state has other you know i think their backups are decent and could serve as a slight advantage i mean depending on how you look at it playing a backup quarterback as well because mizzou has no clue what to expect without kyle mccord right the only thing we've seen is what uh uh round go 12 for 22 for 197 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that's and I'm I don't have it in front of me um, who those two touchdowns are against. So I don't <laughs> I no clue what to really expect out of him. I don't know if those two touchdowns were even to Marvin Harrison Jr. I have so I, I they could have been. Like I don't know. So yeah, I I know that Mizzou has often in the past, and maybe this is me being a negative Mizzou fan, um, struggled against backup quarterbacks. He, uh, Devin Brown threw a touchdown against Western Kentucky and he threw a touchdown against Purdue, a game in which he went one for two for 58 yards and a touchdown and had a quarterback rating of 458 points. We're, we're done. We're done, guys. So that's pretty good. He also wears number 33. I don't know if you guys are aware I'm, of that. That's awesome. I'm a little disappointed Sam Horn is not starting this game just so we could have gotten 21 versus 33 as a quarterback jersey battle and like, so many people, I think, would have gotten angry about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people are upset that Sam Ford wears 21. I'm like, why are you upset about the backup quarterback's number? Like, why? why are you anybody's number? Like, I don't care. Wear whatever number you want. It's Chris Russ's number. Come on, guys. Like a, a, a Q on your jersey. I don't care. Great. Maybe not. I, I think that there should be no number restrictions anywhere. I like it when the big defensive linemen wear the number zero when it gets completely swallowed up in their pads. Single single digit numbers on defensive linemen look awesome. They make these guys look even like bigger and more physically imposing. Um, The the Raiders had some defensive linemen wearing number nine yesterday. I was like, I think he's 6'10", 325, and just like it's all because he was wearing the number nine. Yeah, the Chiefs' offensive line was a turnstile yesterday. Probably. That too. Uh, that probably also was a was a part of it. But uh, I do think that that's interesting uh, when it comes to Marvin Harrison Jr. because we haven't, we as the time of recording this podcast, I should say, don't want to date ourselves. We haven't had an announcement yet, and it feels like usually by now we already have announcements. I think it's become a little more, especially in these bigger games where teams are looking for any competitive advantage. Like, I think Ryan Day probably knows if he's playing. That's fair. But I think, like, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, I feel like didn't opt out until maybe the day before the game. 
Tyler Beatty didn't opt out of the Armed Forces Bowl until the team was already down in Dallas, and actually the only reason it broke was some random Twitter accounts that he's not going to play, so people started asking. Um, you know, so I feel like it's a little more common in, in these games. I mean, you know, these coaches think that, like, they don't want to let the other team know what uniforms they're wearing because it might be a competitive event. So... Hey, I guess if you don't say, I guess you can make Missouri prepare for Marvin Harrison all week and then not have, I don't really know what difference that would make, honestly, because they're just preparing for the offensive scheme and the routes Harrison runs. Uh, so putting somebody out there who doesn't do it as well, I don't know how that's a competitive advantage to not say it, but whatever. And I don't think that Chris Abrams' drain is going to be scared one way or another. I think he, I think you're going to get players like that that are going to be excited for that type of challenge. I don't think that they would be nervous for anything like that. Yeah, I don't. Th- I just don't think it changes anything. But uh, whatever, he can say whatever. And hey, keep open the option. Maybe he just. Maybe he truly doesn't know. Maybe Friday morning he's going to wake up and say, "You know what? Let's go do this. I want to play." And I have a feeling Ryan Day would manage to work him into the game plan. You think? You would think that Ryan Day would be able find, to uh, find a spot for him <laughs> to make it happen. But sorry, sorry, already promised your snaps to this guy. I don't know his name because he hasn't played. Um, I don't know if he's any good, but I already told him he could play. I I can't go back on him. You you have some fruit roll ups and hang out on the side. Well, because I mentioned Emeka Abuka uh, did commit to already playing in the game. The other probably their number two wide receiver, if, uh, Julian Fleming, is probably the other one. But he's already committed to Nebraska to play. He won't be playing in this game, unlike all of James Madison's team that was committed elsewhere but still played in the bowl game, which I thought was wildly interesting. Um, but yes, uh, Emeka Buka's not going to be playing, or will be playing. Julian Fleming not being not going to play. So the wide receiver room is going to be a little depleted, right? Even if they don't have Marvin, even if they do have Marvin Harrison Jr., which I mean, it'll be an interesting uh, experience with with uh, Devin Brown in at quarterback. One of the things about Ohio State later on in the season is they really started to rely on their defense and running the football. Uh, Travion Henderson started to really come on for them a little bit uh, later on in the season and, and showed to be a good running back. And their defense, that secondary is really good. As I mentioned, a lot of those guys playing in this game, going to come back, so it would be a good test uh, for Brady Cook in that offense. No question. I mean, that's the strength of their team. Um, you know, and, and I know... Missouri fans want to say, but you know they they played nobody, Paul. And to some extent, he's right. They're right. I mean, Michigan's the only competent offensive team Ohio State has played. But you can be a good defense and just not have been tested a lot. They, they've got a lot of NFL talent. Um, it's going to be you know you mentioned Denzel Burke, and it's going to be a good test for Brady Cook and Missouri's receiving core and and Cody Schrader in this game. Um, Ohio State is will be the best run defense Missouri has played. They're like yeah. two spots better than Kentucky, three spots better than Tennessee, five spots better than Georgia, I think. So it's it's like they've had success against good run defenses. Um, but it's you know, Javon Foster and that offensive line, this is among the best defensive fronts they've played. Uh they, they got guys, man. I mean, there's doesn't matter if it's first string, second string, guys that maybe Missouri fans aren't familiar with because I don't know about you guys. I don't tend to like to fill my Saturdays by turning on 1410, you know, rock fights in the Big Ten, but uh, also I haven't watched a lot of I do think it's interesting. Um, I was looking, I was reading Power Mizzou and I was looking at uh, the articles about Mizzou's offense versus Ohio State's defense and, you know, the vice versa articles. And if you haven't read those, they're, they're very interesting just to kind of compare numbers because it's all very kind of all over the place, but just like looking about like Mizzou, Mizzou averaging like 34 points a game, which is obviously way up from last year, which is just insane. And Ohio State's defense allowing 11 points a game, just like, which is insane. That's like second in the country. Um, but just like things like that. So I'm not saying that Mizzou's going to score 11 points. I'm not saying that, you know, less than that, but just looking that over. So we're not going to go over all of those numbers or anything like that. But if you, uh, belong, subscribe to Power Mizzou, uh, Maybe go look at some of those because it's pre- it's pretty interesting just to read those over. It is worth noting the top four scoring defenses in college football were all in the Big Ten. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa. 
four best scoring defenses in the country. Now, how much of that is good defense and how much of that is, yeah, but you play Rutgers and Minnesota and Nebraska and Iowa. And yeah, I don't know. I wonder how much that's going to change next year when you have, you know, USC and UCLA and Washington and Oregon, people with like real offenses coming into the conference, how much that does change the defensive numbers because they're not seeing I don't want to say no offense, but it is offense. Like they're not seeing real offenses, like well, on I would, a weekly basis. I would go out on a limb and say USC will not rank in the top four in the country defensively. I know that. Uh, I don't care what conference <laughs> they. <laughs> what creature? <laughs> That's fair. I want to kind of talk, maybe big picture, uh, for this game because, as I mentioned, you know, this game, Vegas is projecting this game to be a close game. It's, it's projecting this game to be uh, a one-score, one-point game even. If Missouri does pull this out, right, where does this rank in terms of bowl games and hierarchy of, like, the importance? Like, with the opponent involved, with the prestige of the bowl game, last year the four-team playoff game, where, where do you think this ranks in terms of importance of bowl wins? Um, I would have to go – I mean – I think it would be the best one since like the 1960s um, because, you know, again, the 2013 Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma State was fine, but yeah, Oklahoma State, you know, the 2007 Cotton Bowl against Arkansas that I think it fired its coach and didn't particularly want to be there. I mean, other than that, you're going back to, I don't know, they beat South Carolina in the Hall of Fame Bowl with Heisman Trophy winner George Rogers in 1979. That was something. They beat Auburn in the 1973 Sun Bowl. I couldn't tell you anything about that. Uh, but, you know, the the 1968 Gator Bowl, they beat Bear Bryant 35-10. Uh, he didn't Not nothing. Um, yeah, he didn't play, but he coached. Uh, 1965 Sugar Bowl, they beat Florida, uh, quarterback by one Steve Spurrier. Mm. So, like, it's probably up there with some of the games in the 1960s. I think it would be the biggest bowl win they've had since then. And... I mean, it's Ohio State, right? It'd be, what, our second win of all time over Ohio State? And let's look at it this way, okay? There's a reason right now that a bunch of Ohio State players are not opting out of this game. And I think there's a reason is that Mizzou players aren't opting out, right? I don't think that Ohio State wants to lose this game. As much as they, some people are saying that this game isn't important and Missouri's not... I don't know if they're saying Missouri's not good, but, you know, that Missouri's beneath them or whatever. I don't think that they want to lose this game. And I think that there's a reason. I think there's a little bit of pride maybe behind it. And I think that it might matter just a little bit more than they're blooding on that it matters. So, yeah, I think that this would be probably one of the bigger games for us. It might not be a very big game in terms of winning for them, but I think it would be a big game in terms of losing for them. And I think that that's why it's important if we win. How how do you think this got this would compare guys with the 1981-1917 Tangerine Bowl win over Southern Miss? What do you think about that? If anybody can't tell, I'm literally just looking at a list of Missouri <laughs> bowl games on Wikipedia right now. Tangerine Bowl. That'd be that'd be probably pretty close. I mean, I don't I don't want to I don't make any too make any big two sweeping judgments on that game. Um, no, I mean I think it is Maggie. I think you make a good point because like there. People are going to spend a lot of time uh, bashing on Ohio State and Ryan Day if they lose to Missouri, right? Like uh, that—that's not like necessarily a brand name that a that Ohio State and Ryan Day has lost to. If you look at Ryan Day's record, he's lost to only like Georgia, Michigan three times, uh, maybe Penn State. No, he hasn't even lost. He's the only team he's lost to in the Big Ten is Michigan. So I think he lost to Georgia and like Alabama and Michigan are the only teams he's lost to. He lost to, to Oregon as well. So he's lost to some pretty big brand names and some teams that have been like AP top five. I know that that was the big thing is that like if he's going against, I think it might have been college football top five teams, he's like one in four or something like that against college football. Like that, those are the teams he loses against. Having a loss to Missouri on that resume probably won't sit with him very well. I know Missouri fans might be like, hey, well, that's not very nice. It's true. Right, like, it's true. Missouri's not the same as Georgia, as Michigan, as Oregon, Alabama. They're not. They're not that that program. But I mean, they're 
they're building. They've got some good stuff coming in. I mean, they got a lot of transfer portal stuff. They got some stuff we'll talk about here in a second. But I think that that is probably a motivating factor in itself for at least Ryan Day, who might not necessarily be on the actual hot seat, but he's got a, got some pressure applied for losing three straight to Michigan. If he loses three straight to Michigan, misses out on the college football playoff, and then all of a sudden he's looking around, he loses to Missouri at the Cotton Bowl. I think people will be pretty uh, will be pretty unsettled with Ryan, what Ryan Day is doing over there in, in Columbus. But I mean, that's maybe why they're take, taking this game a little bit more seriously than say Oregon is against Liberty. Missouri would be the second lowest ranked team to ever beat Ryan Day as a head coach. Mm. He lost to number twelve. Yes, he lost to number twelve Oregon in Columbus. Every other loss is against a top six team, and we're out here talking about if this dude should be on the hot seat next year. Correct. Like it's okay to say they just live in a different world, and Alabama and Georgia are the only two teams that live in this. Yeah. Like, not even Clemson. The, you know, Dabo's going to survive nine and four. You know, uh, yeah. I, I mean, Ryan Day could, let's say he wins this game. He's 51 and seven. Say he goes 11 and one next year. He could be 62 and eight, and they are legitimately going to talk about whether they need to fire. Yes. The expectations that fan base has is, is unreal, truthfully. Um, but it's not unreal. I mean, it's like, it's realistic because they kind of yeah. are always there. Yeah. That's fair. But I do think that's why we're going to see a good game. I, I think that's part of the reason that we're, that we're going to see a highly competitive game. Do you know? Okay. So since 2004, Ohio State went okay. eight and four in 2004. How many times have they lost more than two games in a season? We're talking 20 years. Two? Twice. Yep. They went six and seven when Luke Fickle was like an interim coach when they had the whole tattoo thing and Jim Trestle was gone. (laughs) And they went 10 and three in 2008, and the third loss was the Fiesta. It is kind of crazy, too. We were sitting here, and I was able to recall off the top of my head every single one of his losses. And yeah. we're, we're talking, we, you're, I mean, you make a great point of like we're talking about like this dude. Some some contingent of Ohio State fans are like, can't win the big one, got to get him out. Can't win the big one, um, and like that's so crazy. Um, I know that there were some rumblings of him going to Texas A&M, which would have been a chaos to the finest. It just would have been that, that just screamed agent plant somewhere. Along yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 100%. But I mean, no, but for Missouri to pull that off, uh, I mean, to win this game would be like, I feel like it's the difference between like really, really good season and season we're still talking about in 15 yeah. and springboard to you know, we talk about what next year can be, and I don't think losing this game changes that. I'm not a big believer in, hey, losing a game or winning a game in December matters next September a whole lot. But mm. if you win this game, the one thing it matters for is all those preseason top 25s that are going to come out sometime between January 2nd and August. You know, Missouri wins this game. They're going to be in everybody's top 10 and probably some people's top five. And that does matter going into a season where at the end of the year, if you come down to splitting hairs between a one loss and a two loss team, or, you know, this strength of schedule versus that strength of schedule, it really helps if you started the season ranked fifth. Well, especially whenever you look at it and you go, oh, well, Ohio State kind of cared because um, they only had like mm, a couple of people sit out. And yeah, they had a backup quarterback, but their backup quarterback was a higher really highly ranked it's kind of like when people were like oh well texas um went to overtime with k-state yeah but malik murphy was a top 10 quarterback from a top five class it's not like it's some type it's a loser backup quarterback i mean that's what these good classes pull in i think the opt-out discussion i think you're going to be able to like whatever side you're on you're going to be able to make your point Missouri fans, regardless of how this game goes, are going to go, well, they have better backups than most teams have starters, and they, and they didn't have that many guys sit out, blah, blah, blah. And the other side, regardless of what happens, is going to go, 
well, what do you think was going to happen? Marvin Harrison didn't play in their starting quarterback transfer. Right. And I'm not saying either view of that is necessarily right or wrong, but my point is that discussion is only going to be formed by what you want to say. About. Like yeah. you're just going to use it to prove what you want to be true. And I want to be clear. I'm building up Ohio State on this to show the, like the magnitude of what like what this win would be for Missouri, right? It's a program right. that doesn't lose football games. Like it's a program that, that has not lost in all that much in the Ryan Day era. And really, Gabe, as you pointed out, in the last 20 years, they haven't lost. So I think beating a program like Ohio State, no matter who they have on the field, because they are a really good program, they're at the top of the recruiting list every single year. They're at the top. It, they're a good program. And I think that you can, it's something that is really easy to recruit around. Right? We've already seen Eli Drinkwitz be a really good recruiter selling hope. Gabe, you mentioned on one of the podcasts, now he actually has something to sell with the 10-win season. He would have something even more to sell with a with a ten win season, an eleven win season, and a win over Ohio State. Like that would be incredible uh, in terms of just the recruiting pitch standpoint of it. With your two coordinators coming back for the next year. Um. So I don't mean to turn this into like the Ohio State is the greatest thing in the history of college football. Although I think that's a potential argument. Um. Since, let's see, ever, how many losing football seasons do you think Ohio State has had? They have been playing football since 1904. How many times do you think they have lost more games than they've won? A handful of times, five times maybe. I was going to say like six. Seven. Seven times in... (laughs) 120 years. That includes this, this is this podcast should be sponsored by Wikipedia, right? Really. Yeah. That includes uh <laughs> John Wilts in 1922 went three and four. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the John Wilts there. He also oh. went two, three, and three in 1924. Really, John Wilts, not a very good college football coach. Two of the seven losing seasons in Ohio State history. Um in 1943. Some guy named Paul Brown went three and six. He sucked. He never went on to do anything in his football career. Um, Wesley Festler had the worst season in Ohio State history, going two, six, and one in 1947. Um, so, yeah, you know, Woody Hayes went three, five, and one one year. And then he did many years later, punched a player on the sidelines. So, yeah. you know, three, five, and one wasn't the worst thing he ever did. <laughs> so, there's your Ohio State history lesson. I don't know. They might not think that there is. They might actually think that the, the record was they, worse. They think three five and one was worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they might. Sure. What was, but what was his record against Ohio or uh, against Michigan though? Like that's that's the oh, record that so they want to. He was there for. Let's see. <laughs> he was the head coach for twenty eight years. So I'm gonna oh, guess he did pretty well against Michigan. Doesn't Urban Meyer have like a restaurant in Columbus? And yeah. uh, his, I think you can find some pictures from that restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> I laughed because that's what I realized. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does actually. Uh, um, but there's like a back room or like a a, a room in again social oh, no. media pictures oh, back sorry. room Urban Meyer's restaurant. Yes, the name of it. You're not so, digging out of this hole. Which is what I'm getting to. The name of it is like his record against Michigan, which he he didn't lose against Michigan. I don't think. It's just like. Uh, what it was like six and zero or something like that, seven and zero. However long he was there, but it's just it's just called like seven and zero because like that's how much that like that record means to like Ohio State fans that they'll build a whole restaurant around it. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, point being, big game for Missouri. No question. Yeah, no question. I mean, I think all of Michigan <laughs> is cheering for Lindu. So, anyway. I would think literally everybody that's not an Ohio State fan is cheering for Missouri. Oh, that's yeah. what you do or, in these games. Or right? Kansas. You, I mean, or yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. Oklahoma might be cheering for Missouri in this game. I don't know. I just I don't think very many people like Ohio State outside of Ohio that's State. True. Yeah. Recruits can't really flip anymore either, so they might actually be. Actually, they can't. They can transfer. I mean, I guess they can now transfer literally any time they want. That's true. So no, Never mind. Thing is only I don't time know. transfers anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. Uh, I know 
Gabe that uh, Drink had alluded to, like, stay tuned on announcements and to the, the coordinators, and they he did eventually announce they are coming back for this for another season. They signed contract extensions. I I don't know if you have the terms of those or if that's something that they release. Are they just no. are they just a year to year type of deals? Is that what these are? Or? No, they were on two year deals. I think so. I would imagine they will be two or three year deals with more money. Um, I put in an open records request, but the uh, university is not open this week, so I imagine it's going to be a while before I get the terms of that. Um, but. You know, Kirby made eight hundred fifty thousand last year. I would imagine he's over a million. Blake, I think, made one point two this year. He'll, he'll, I'm sure, be up in that one five range. Um, but you know, I, I think big deal for Missouri to get keep both those guys. Like Brady Cook's not learning a new system, right? Uh, you, you've got everything seemed to work this year. So the only time I think you really are advocating, hey, let's let's see some changeover in this coaching staff is when things don't. work. I mean, if it works, you want to bring them all back. Um, I think a uh, good thing that Missouri is, I'll be interested to see. They've, they've had a few guys this week officially mm-hmm. announced they were coming back. Um, Chuck Hicks did. Uh, Mookie Cooper did. Joseph Charleston did. Christian Williams hasn't, but we reported weeks ago we were confident he's coming back. Um, I feel pretty good D.O. Weiss will come back. Mm. Um, you know, so... I. Then we're kind of getting into, can you really pull a surprise with somebody like a, a Chris Abrams train or somebody like that coming back? And, oh. and I, I don't know that that's uh, likely, but you know, it, it sounds like a lot of the guys that have the option to come back are going to. That's great. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's great. Cody's not there. Back. That's unfortunate. Can Mivas come back, or can he not come back? He can. Um, everybody, I, I'm not sure it's been decided, but nobody seems to really be talking like he is going to come back next year. Although I saw something somebody posted on our board. If he comes back next year, he has a chance, like a pretty legitimate chance to be the leading scorer in college football history. Oh, wow. Which I think you've got to put an asterisk by all these numbers. I mean, you got in five and six years. I I don't know how you know it's it's like it, it, is somebody running for two thousand yards in a seventeen game season the same as uh, OJ doing it in twelve? Probably not. Right. You know, but it does help to be the number one red zone scoring offense. Field goal team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We can't score yeah, touchdowns, just, but we can score field goals. <laughs> right. That was a little misleading number because what it meant was they didn't turn the ball over, but they kicked a lot of field goals of 35 yards. I do love that spin zone. That spin zone by the uh, Missouri Stats and Information. Listen, that's what they do. That's what the, that's what the department's there for. They're doing a good job of it. That is an ultimate spin zone of like, yeah, we we only score in the red zone. <laughs> All right. Maybe sometimes, most, most of the time, three doesn't happen. But anyway, I was trying to figure out how old Cody Schrader was. Is he 23? Going to be 24? He's got to be somewhere up there. I mean, he started college in 2018. So that was a while ago. That was before there was... How, however old Nick Bolton is, he probably is. Oh, yeah. That's crazy to think about. Um, wow. Well, any final thoughts before we uh, before we depart this recording and we... Ascend on Dallas and watch uh, the Missouri Tigers play a football game. I mean, do we have to pit? Like, are we picking it? Uh, yeah, I guess that's. I we haven't done a game preview podcast in so long. I forgot that's what we do at the end of these podcasts. So, <laughs> uh, Gabe, what's your prediction? Colin Kyle. I think I lean Missouri because of the motivation factor. Um, I I think I think. I believe in Ohio State's defense. Like, I think they're good. Yeah. I, I don't think this is going to be a, you know, 41 38 game. Um, I'll go Missouri 26 24 on Amoebus game. Win. That's all. You took my game. You took my game winner idea, but if that wasn't my score. Um, my score was 30 27. Also, was a Memphis game winner. <laughs> because I mean, you got to end it. You got to end it 
similar. I don't want to like, say how you started it, but I feel like K-State's how you started it. Really, like that's how, like I count, like that's how it set the tone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, the, the last time Missouri played in the Cotton Bowl, the play that won it was, you know, Michael Sam, Sack, Shane Ray, scoop and score. And it just yeah. was, it was so fitting that it was that guy that made that play. So like it has to be, if they win this game, I feel like it has to be Mevis or, or Cody as the MVP. Mm. Yeah. Ride the Love horses it. that got you there. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Uh, I'm excited to see this Missouri offense take the field against a really good game, as you mentioned, a really good Ohio State defense. Um, I'll be interested to see how Missouri's uh, defense shows up and performs against a backup quarterback that don't have a whole lot of tape on. They've got some good wide receivers. We know the history of, you know, Brian Hartline over there producing the wide receivers that they do out of Ohio State. Like, they're going to have dudes. They've got dudes on that wide receiver room. We just haven't heard of them yet uh, type of deal. So they're going to have good wide receivers over there. I'm going to take the Tigers 32-26 to uh, to win this football game. Uh, that would be a score of me. So I want to see a wild game with a score of Gami. That would be perfect. 32-26, that's my uh, prediction. I feel good. I feel, I feel good. I really do feel feel pretty positive overall, vibes-wise, going into this game about Missouri against Ohio State, which maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, we're riding with them. We're riding with them. Either way. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm all yeah. in. I've... I mean, I I feel like at this point, yeah. What? Why? Why would you pick against them? They're they're ten to two. You know, it's fair. And this is a Missouri podcast, right? Well, I'm not gonna. We're just we're just trying all. to drive up the ratings, guys. Just yeah. tell people we're all homers. Maybe they'll listen. Yeah, that, that yeah. might actually help us. If there's one game we can be homers at, I feel like it's it's the Goodyear is that Goodyear Cotton Bowl. Come on, Goodyear. Yep, they still got it. Before you know it, it'll be like the, I don't know. Did you guys see the Pop-Tarts Bowl trophy? That looks really sick. I was kind of upset that, he's, that Missouri's not playing in the Pop-Tarts Bowl trophy. Isn't K-State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl? They are in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Um, Lucky. It's, it's a toaster. It's like a toaster on the football. It's cool. So, but Mevis got, Mevis got all those Pop-Tarts earlier in the season, so Missouri's it, gotten their Pop-Tarts already. Fine. That's fair. That was really cool. I wish I would get a shipment of Pop-Tarts. but if, if Missouri was in the Pop-Tart or the Cheez-It Bowl, I'd be there for the media gift. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah, I do love. Look, those Kellogg sponsored bulls, man. They they get after those Kellogg sponsored bulls. But G- Gabe's not gonna wake up feeling the cheesiest this year, though. So. <laughs> no. All right, that's gonna do it for this week's edition of Mizzou. That's it. We'll be back next week with another episode. We'll work out logistics and everything uh, with uh, the new year. Have a happy new year. Happy holidays to everybody listening. And everything like that. Uh, we'll be back after a Missouri Tigers win, manifesting it here. Uh, So uh, stay tuned. Uh, Be a friend, tell a friend, and we will uh, talk to you later.